0: You're listening to Rock of Ages, where I introduce my theater kid friends to my favorite classic rock albums. And when we look at a concert album or a rock opera, they introduce me to their favorite musicals. Today we're talking about Simon and Garfunkel, Bookends. With me I have Paul, Heyo. and Romy. Hey. Bookends is the fourth studio album by American folk duo Simon and Garfunkel, released on April 3rd, 1968 through Columbia Records. It was produced by Simon and Garfunkel and Roy Haley, and the genre is our folk pop and folk rock. And from all music review, Tom York. I'm not joking, it says Tom York. Really? <laughs> It's it's actually spelled uh, J U R E K and it's pronounced Yurik but for all intents and purposes let's just call him Tom York. Simon and Garfunkel quietly slip bookends, their fourth album, into the bins with a whisper in March 1968. They are equal collaborators with producer-engineer Roy Haley in a multivalently layered song cycle, observing the confusion of those seeking an elusive American dream, wistfully reflecting on innocence lost forever to the cold winds of change. Bookends is problematic, disillusioned themes, sometimes disguised in dry humor, striking arrangements, and augmented orchestral instrumentation portray the sounds of people in an American life that they no longer understand or understands them. Simon and Garfunkel never overstate and instead they observe, almost journalistically, enormous life and cultural questions in the process of them being asked. In just over 29 minutes, Bookends is stunning in its vision of a bewildered America in search of itself. All right, what do we think of Bookends by Simon and Garfunkel? It's good. It's great. I love it. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. Um, I'm not sure how much I like it, though, because for every two songs I like, there's going to be a song I dislike. I think it was really, really, really good. I'm glad to see we're on the same page, but why do we think it's so good? Yeah, it's comforting. Is it that Paul Simon's a genius and Art Garfunkel is just there?
1: (laughs) I mean, he did sing on Bridge Over Troubled Water. And that's not on this album. Yeah, I I vaguely remember Art Garfunkel singing here in town like, late 2000s early 10s maybe I don't know I have literally no memory I just remember hearing a radio ad for it and
0: I never just really yeah I think Art Garfunkel does three things on this entire album one he sings harmony with Paul Simon two he sings the bridge on overs and three he for some reason goes to a couple retirement houses and records old people yeah (laughs) Yeah, that made me laugh yeah (laughs) why did he do that though that last
1: thing sounds like something i do for like artistic purposes
0: i guess it is interesting to hear someone who was born in the late 19th century still kicking in in 1968 they're probably all dead now yeah probably all dead like so now it's it's not just voices of old people it's voices of
1: dead people yeah, uh, their voices have now been added to the laugh track of the Big Bang Theory.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just that that guy, that old feller at the beginning who's just talking about living with honesty, he now has to be forced to laugh every time "bazinga" is uttered. <laughs> and soon enough, uh, Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel are gonna be added to that collection of the internal souls who have to laugh at "bazinga." <laughs> <laughs> I I just remember
1: our last um watch this episode when,
0: like, oh yeah now. I said I said like a coffee pasta of the audience going apeshit when Sheldon said the word bazinga it was it was glorious <laughs> when I first like saw that coffee pasta I was like scared of it because it was pretty existential but reading it out loud it's one of the funniest things I've ever heard
2: I actually honestly think that after listening to voices of old people for, for like a while I was like what am I listening to at first? But then as I kept listening to it, I, it almost had this melodic beat to it. Like <laughs> the voices felt like, no, I'm, I'm being serious right now. It is art. It's like an art song, but there is somewhat of a melodic beat to the way that they're talking. What are the beats per
0: minute on voices of old people? <laughs> <laughs>
2: All over the place. <laughs> Take but, heed, but my is viewers. Is somewhat... This is
0: the voices of old people brain rot. This is what it will do to you.
2: There is. There's even a section where there's a guy sing. There's a guy talking in the background as the guy, another person is talking in the foreground, and it's almost like they're like, almost like they're harmonizing with each other. Like one person singing one lyric over and over again while the person in front is saying their feelings. Hmm. Would you say that "Voices of
0: Old People" is your favorite Simon and Garfunkel song? You
2: want the joke answer or you want the real answer? Both. Yeah. <laughs> it is my my favorite song. Yeah. Definitely, it is definitely my favorite song. Ten out of ten. <laughs> I would give it an eleven, but unfortunately, I don't think the people will live that long to see it go to that.
0: <laughs> Burn. Well, I'm glad you liked Voices of Old People. Meanwhile, I thought America was amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The,
2: that's a song. I especially yeah.
1: love the Versade Kids version of America.
0: Did you know that Yes has a version of America that's over 10 minutes long?
1: Oh, my God.
0: It's like 10 and a half minutes long because it's Yes. Like, it has
1: nothing on Nina Simone's like 17-minute version of My Sweet Lord.
0: Oh, yeah. But yeah, it's it's a it's an amazing song, and I think the best part about it is like it doesn't uh, follow a traditional lyrical standards. Like none of the verses rhyme with each other. I think that's that's just something very interesting. Like uh, Paul Simon's just he's basically writing a story and putting it to music form. He doesn't care about whether or not the the words rhyme with each other. He's just putting down like poetry and then and then setting it to song. It's the best song off the album, if you ask me. It might just be my favorite Simon and Garfunkel song. Actually, no, it's probably my second favorite Simon and Garfunkel song because the boxer holds a special place in my heart.
1: love the Boxer." the same. It's just so epic.
0: Yeah. We will be getting to Bridge Over Troubled Water on the podcast, don't you worry. That's
2: my favorite song. Boxer? Uh, Bridge Over Troubled Waters.
0: Oh, yeah. That's one of the very few Simon and Garfunkel songs in which Art Garfunkel sings on.
2: I was actually introduced to it because of who uh, opera uh, guy. This is a guy that was in Great Comet of eighteen twelve. Josh Groban. Josh Groban. Yeah, that's how I was introduced to the song.
0: Yeah. Oh, good for Josh. That, I I now I now want to hear Pierre Bazoukov sing Bridge over Troubled Water.
1: uh just we could be worked into some like production of Great
0: Comet. Yeah. I don't think they uh, remastered this album, but let me see how old Art Garfunkel is. Um, Yeah, he's 81. He should definitely put his voice in the Voices of Old People segment if they ever remaster this album, because he will have now the voice of old people. Also, are we we listening to Voices of Old People right now? We are. For as much as I'm crapping on Voices of Old People, bless their heart. I mean, they probably seem like nice people to have a conversation with, you know, so long as they aren't racist. Yeah. We love you. Um. I also thought the f- the funniest part about uh, Voices of Old People, in my opinions, is that on the back of the album cover, there's like the lyrics to all the songs, except for Voices of Old People, where it just says Art Garfunkel recorded Old People in various locations in New York and Los Angeles over a period of several months. Thanks, Art. Uh
1: his, um, hey out secret career as a historian. I feel like if I ever become a singer, I'm just gonna have a track with, like, random bits from the Television Academy interviews as an homage to Voices of Old People.
0: Yeah. One of the names of the nursing homes that Garfunkel visited to get these Voices of Old People is the United Home for Aged Hebrews, which, in today's eyes and ears, doesn't really sound that great. <laughs> yeah. But I guess it's 1968, so I guess they could get away with it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, apparently there was, like, a home for the blind called The Home for the Incurables. Like, what What the fuck? Okay. Yeah, anyway, um, for as much as I like crap on Voices of Old People tonight, um, it, it's, it's not the only bad track on this album. Um, Punky's Dilemma, anyone?
2: I think that one's great. <laughs>
0: i think that one's like all over the place like the first two verses are like paul simon's just looking at his uh breakfast foods and he was like man what if i was a cornflake what if i was like toast I, what if i was like jam English yeah but then on the first verse he was like would you hang my picture if i died in the war like what <laughs>
1: it feel- it's like it raised the same energy as like Nick Kershaw's The Riddle. Near a tree by a river, there's a hole in the ground where an old man of air goes around and around and all sorts of nonsensical lyrics. The, the riddle is that there is no riddle. It's just random lyrics he wrote to fit the tune, but he thought he liked but he liked them enough that he made them the official lyrics.
0: For Punky's Dilemma, I just wrote down, listening to this is my dilemma. I was Punky this whole time, guys. <laughs> you go.
2: Okay. No, in, in all fairness, I didn't understand what the song was either, but I laughed pretty hard when he says, he trips down the stairs and you hear the boom, 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 and he goes, Ugh. <laughs> oh, I, really?" I burst out laughing. I burst out laughing when he made that groan noise.
0: <laughs> it definitely does sound like something so, McCartney would do.
2: And so I had, I had to look up what the heck this song was actually about. And so I finally figured out what it's actually about. It is. His dilemma is that war is happening, and he's trying to figure out if he wants to dodge the war.
0: What am I gonna do? Is, am I gonna go out to war and serve my country, or am I gonna turn into a cornflake?
2: <laughs> okay, so it's I actually realize it is really a somber song. It really is. It's, it's the song starts off with him just eating breakfast and looking down at his bowl, like oh. Life must be much more simple for a cornflake. I wish I could just sit around <sighs> getting golden brown. What just? But now I'm stuck in the situation where I either go to war and potentially die, or I dodge it and am forever in shame. Will you put the photograph next to the piano for me, or will I be the person that's that's hiding in the... Basements, and everybody knows what I'm doing.
0: So basically, the theme of the song is Reject Humanity, Return to Cornflake. (laughs) Thank you, Punky. Apparently, that song took two days to record.
2: Yeah, that's not surprising for me. That's Mm. not surprising to me. I still think it's a good
0: song. How long do you think a usual song would take to record? I would say like a couple hours at least. 50 hours is pushing it. But, oh well, I'm I'm not gonna let this get in the way of how much you like Punky's Dilemma because i aside from those two songs i think we're both like we both like the album very much cuz we laughed them all and we laugh them yeah. all in a very short time I will say um, at wanna the talk zoo. About faking it? Uh, before I do, I just want to say at the zoo was a bit of a weak point for me. Like I didn't. I don't think it's a bad song. I just think it was a bit of a weird thing to close on. Yeah, I agree. Like we're going to the zoo and the animals have de- developed all these weird personalities that humans also share. Okay, cool. What does that have to do with the bookends theme?
2: Yeah, I don't know. It's. I guess it's like if. I guess because bookends and you know what is a book animal farm and what Whoa. is the ending of animal farm the ending of animal farm is where the animals and the humans come together and they can't tell the difference between each other there the, 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 there's the connection boom
0: paul simon you are a genius yeah Thank you. Anyway. How's my name is paul <laughs> you share your same name with paul simon and paul mccartney what do you know but yeah, let's talk about faking it, uh, where Paul Simon's talking about faking, knowing so much about society to be with this girl he likes. And then the third verse was like, I wish I was a tailor. That would be so simple. And then he becomes a tailor. Good for good for him. He should follow his heart. I think you could tell when Paul Simon writes lyrics is like when they they seem to go all over the place. Like one time he's, he's talking about one thing and like in a very same verse... He'll talk about something completely different that's still, like, connected to the other verses somehow. He might only make sense in his mind, but still. I think the most famous case of this is most brilliantly in, in the boxer. When, like, he's talking about, like, a poor boy in the city, and then the final verse, he's like, and in the, in the, there's a boxer, he's fighting or something. I think, I think those are Paul Simon's best lyrics. Yeah! <laughs>
1: Going down a rabbit hole of overly specific letterbox lists. Oh,
0: yeah. Um, I wonder if g- yeah. The Graduate can be on one of those uh, lists. Because, uh, you know what song is featured in The Graduate? Sis
1: Robinson!
0: I'm not surprised it's not. I mean, it's literally named after her. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a brilliant song. I would not put it in my top five, Simon and Garfunkel, though. I mean, I
1: figure there should be at least one. Undiscovered, overly specific list uh, has *The Graduate* as mm. one of the two movies, mm. two or three
0: movies. I think my top five uh, Simon and Garfunkel uh, songs to be, uh, of course, *Bridge Over Troubled Water* and uh, *The Boxer*. *America*, *Sounds of Silence*, obviously, and uh, *Scarborough Fair* slash *Can'ticle*. Uh- I, I
1: keep remembering Muppet Show episode where Paul Simon was the guest star and every song is written by him. And so Gonzo started like writing songs So he just and he just ends up like ends up butchering El Condor Pasa into <laughs> I'd Rather Be a Pancake Than a Sneeze.
0: <laughs> that still does sound like something that Paul Simon would write. I mean he literally wrote a song about how cars are cars. <laughs>
1: That reads the same energy as something. Um but um I don't remember what. But so I'm just gonna mention Cars was the last major VHS release ever during the original lifespan of the VHS and it was only released through Disney Movie Club.
2: Yeah. Okay. And imagine now it's going for sale for like fifty thousand dollars on eBay. <laughs> yeah, imagine finding like imagine
0: like finding it in a thrift store. Imagine We're how making- how more epic Cars would be if the Paul Simon song Cars Are Cars was in it. Yeah. It wouldn't be that I'm, epic.
1: I mean, James Taylor is on the soundtrack, so, like, it, they're...
0: Yeah, James it, Taylor, and that's an indictment. Yeah. In the Tom York review I mentioned at the beginning, um, I had greatly an- abridged that review because it was another one of those giant essay reviews. And uh, Tom mentions almost every single song in that review. He neglects to mention one. Do you want to guess what that one was? But Punky's Dilemma. Even he agrees that that song is just like the weakest link.
1: Yeah, I, wait, if you think Voices of Old People is better than Punky's Dilemma... You've done something
0: wrong. <laughs> I mean, it's it makes more thematic sense to the bookends theme than, uh, Punky's dilemma. Like, the, f- the first half of the side is dedicated mostly to the soundscape, tone, poem, bookends. And the second side is the catchy folk pop, uh, that you know and love of Simon and Garfunkel. Did anyone notice how, like, side two is much more catchier than side one? Yeah. And yeah. That, that doesn't make it any more or less bad. It's just, there's a clear tone shift in between bookends theme reprise and faking it.
2: That's why I almost feel like this album would be better listened to on vinyl, but at the same time, I prefer to have audio quality.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: it's kind of like when you're listening to the, uh, the Abbey Road, and if you're on Abbey Road on Spotify versus on vinyl... And you go from Golden Strawberry Fields forever, <laughs> and Strawberry Fields, and you go directly into Here Comes the Sun, and everybody that... complains about how it's such a juxtaposition.
0: I think that, that level of incongruousness is much more like reserved for Pink Floyd, because their, their, their string of albums, Dark Side of the Moon, Wish You Were Here, Animals, The Wall, people hate it when you shuffle them. Yeah. And that's because it's like, oh, but they're like concept albums. You need to listen to them as as what they were. You can't just listen to individual songs. And like, I kind of agree with them, but like, just let the kids listen to what they want to listen to, okay? You don't have to make such a big stink about how I'm listening to Waiting for the Worms and then I instantly go into Comfortably Numb. Which is actually something my friend did back when I was in high school. And I was going to complain, like, that's just so incongruous. Like, why would you do that? But I was like, what the hell? Why am I wasting my time with that? Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. Mrs. Robinson, right now, um, very fun song. They make a Beatles reference, which is how you know it's good, and with the times. Yeah. yeah. I also want to mention Hazy Shade of Winter, because that- that rocks. Yeah,
1: especially the Bangles version. Oh yeah,
0: and it's on like a soundtrack, isn't it? It's
1: on the- it's on the Stranger Things soundtrack, I know
0: that. Hmm, well I should probably listen to the Bangles version, I've been meaning to get into the Bangles. Because I always get the Bangles and the Go-Go's confused, honestly. I mean, they're both girl bands. Yeah. And, uh, I think, was it Bangles that was on Gilmore Girls? I think I saw a Gilmore Girls episode where the Bangles were there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Also, I just want to bring up a little elephant in the room. The very first like actual song on this album, Save the Life of My Child. It does something that no folk band would ever do in their entire life, especially at this time, 1968. And that would be incorporate a Moog synthesizer into the instrumentation, which I thought was like very cool. It doesn't make too much thematic sense within the song like I think Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel just added in the instrument into the song because they could but still it's nice to hear like an early use of the Moog in like music. Interesting. And if you listen closely in the middle section you could also hear a sample of Hello Darkness My Old Friend. So it was like Paul Paul Simon was like probably aware that sound of silence was their signature song even back then and it was like hey if we include this song in this uh song people will know hey it's that it's that group mm-hmm. well i should probably yeah. let you guys know that uh mrs robinson just surpassed sound of silence as being simon garfunkel's most listened to uh song on spotify oh yeah it is still not the most, uh, listened to song by Paul Simon or Garfunkel. Uh, that distinction goes to Paul Simon's solo song, You Can Call Me Al" off Graceland, which we will be getting to on this, uh, podcast, because it's Graceland. <laughs> Fun fact, uh, I don't know who the photographer is for this, uh, album cover, but if you, apparently, if you look into Paul Simon's eyes, you could see the reflection of the photographer in his iris. Huh. It probably works better you know, when you have if, the full album.
2: You know, if yeah. you stare directly into their eyes, you can see that they're really baked.
0: You can see drugs and promiscuous sex.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Although, actually, after, after the movie Almost Famous came out, and that scene came out, they came and said that they were probably baked during the, the photography section.
0: <laughs> I mean, it was 1968. They were absolutely baked. I think that what makes it a very famous album cover. If they weren't baked, I'd imagine it wouldn't be as famous as an album cover. Time, time, time to see what's
1: become of me. While I looked around, all
0: my possibilities. I was so hard to please. But look around, these are brown, and the sky. some facts about simon and garfunkel um they met in grade school when they both appeared in a production of alice in wonderland paul simon was the white rabbit and art was the cheshire cat
1: alice by heart simon and garfunkel crossover oh my god we
0: have i should we should just like send an email to paul simon begging him to to sing uh those long eyes ah the lobster song we love
1: lobsters it's been a while since we've mentioned Lobster. And...
0: It's been a while since we mentioned Dallas by Heart and might just because I'm not a big fan of that musical.
2: I've, I've only love... ever heard the Lobster song.
0: It's, I that's only a make... need to hear. Yeah, I would love to make a film adaptation of it. Um, the duo's first name before Simon and Garfunkel was Tom and Jerry, which according to song facts, was the name of a cartoon cat and mouse. They don't specify as like which was named after Tom and Jerry. They just say a cartoon cat and mouse. I just, I find that to be a bit funny.
2: Yeah, I mean, just gonna know us. who that is?
0: Yeah, it's not like yeah, Tom and Jerry is a very obscure cartoon, my friend. Yeah, um, yeah, like, yeah who'd who have heard of them? They created a TV special called Songs of America, directed by Charles Grodin, and when they were producing that, they learned that large parts of America did not share their views on peace and tolerance. No, you're kidding me. <laughs> The show sponsor, AT&T, pulled out of the special because it showed footage of the Vietnam War and Martin Luther King Jr.'s funeral. The show found a new sponsor, Alberto VO5, and it aired on November 1969. It got killed in the ratings because Peggy Fleming was skating that night.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I had never
0: even heard of Peggy Fleming, right? Until now. Well... Up yours, Peggy Fleming. You're beautiful, but uh, I I have nothing against you, Peggy Fleming. It's just for the joke. And uh, while Paul Simon was working on his uh, solo career after the split of Simon and Garfunkel, Art Garfunkel decided to work as a math teacher in a private school in Connecticut. So that's nice. You just go from, like, Bridge Over Troubled Water, one of the greatest uh, songs of the 1970s, and now you're just a private school teacher. Yeah. And I think that's all we could say about Simon and Garfunkel.
2: Oh, well, there is one thing I want to mention. Yeah. During the song "Mrs. Robinson," the, there's the lyrics about Joe DiMaggio. What's the you say, Mrs. Robinson? Joe DiMaggio has gone away.
0: Jolton Joe. Jolton Joe. Yep. That was his nickname.
2: Yeah. Oh, okay. Thank you for correcting me. Mm-hmm. But during that time, Joe DiMaggio was still alive. Yeah.
0: He was. He 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 just ran away because he couldn't take it. And he was
2: still very active in sports at the time.
0: <laughs> Swing and a miss, as Joe DiMaggio would probably say.
2: And so Joe kind of asked them, like, hey, w- w- what was that lyric about? And they confessed, like, um, well, you see, we just needed a, a name that sounded well and we were just with...
0: We were just really baked at the time.
2: It just needed a, a name that sounded well in the lyrics.
0: Yeah. Also I oh I, at the end. I, I did say last week I want to correct something. I did say last week that Bookends was like the shortest album we've ever done on Rock of Ages at twenty-nine minutes and twenty-seven seconds. But I would like to correct myself because there is an album that is shorter than that, and that would be the self-titled debut by Ramones at 20, yeah. 29 minutes and 16 seconds.
2: Oh. But not
0: even that. There was still an album shorter than that. Creedence Clearwater Revival's Green River at 29 minutes and 13 seconds. So Bookends is only the third oh. shortest album we have covered on this very fine podcast. So... Uh, Made a bit of an oopsie on my head there, <laughs> sorry about that. Alright, Uh, we should probably go around the room. Uh, Paul, you're up first. Out of 10, what would you give this, and would you recommend this to a lover of musical theatre?
2: I'd give it an 82 out of 100.
0: So that would and be an
2: 8.2? Yes, 8.2 out of 100. I 8.2 out of 10, sorry. And, I'm sorry, I really do like Punky's Dilemma. <laughs>
0: I'm not telling you not to like it. No,
2: no, no, it's, that's what's making my rating go from an 8 to an 8.2. That's, that's <laughs> the one song that's made the rating go up. Because, <laughs> like, I'm not a big fan of At the Zoo. I really love Mrs. Robinson. I really like "Faking It. I really like the, the bookends, "Parts," the bookends and its reprise. I really like that. I, I really like this album, and I would give it to a theater kid just because they have a reprise on it. <laughs>
0: The other kids, when they see a reprise. A wooga! Uh, Romy?
1: Uh, I, I would give it a an 8. I mean, I like the softer stuff a lot more than the jauntier stuff. Like, especially America.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I think I'd, I'd give it, like, an 8.1. But then I'd have to give credit to Punky's Dilemma and Voices of Old People. And I'm not sure I'm ready to do that yet. Yes. And then again, those are just... Those are just two songs, um, like, I could do without. Like, At the Zoo is not my favorite song, but I- it's not like I couldn't do without it. Like, if I had to sit through it, I wouldn't be like, ew, turn this off. And even with, uh, Punky's Dilemma, I wouldn't be like, I- uh, turn it off. It's just silly. But not silly in an endearing way, in my opinion. And Voices of Old People just doesn't really make much sense. Like, what if the Beatles put, like, Voices of Old People on one of their albums? It How? did. It's
2: called Revolution Number Nine.
0: Okay, okay, fair, uh, fair enough. Well, what if, what if someone else, like what if Bob Dylan included two minutes of old people in one of his albums just because he could?
1: What if the Stooges did it?
0: Vo- L.A. Blues voices of old people crossover when. <laughs> um i think i'd actually give this an 8.15 because i i want to pepper up the ratings a little and i think it's it's just really nice i think a theater kid would enjoy this a lot and that's all she wrote oh and uh guess what guys this is a concept album that and it's dubious as to which parts of the album are a concept album. Like, obviously, the first half of the album is a concept album. But, like, side two, it's unclear if the songs on that side are connected to bookends or they're, like, a continuation or if it's its own separate concept. But either way, it's a concept album about living, dying, and the American dream. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we get to do a musical for next episode. Aren't we happy about that? And let me pick. Ch- let me As check em- let me check my theater list and uh, the next uh, musical we will be looking at is we are the tigers ah! oh. all right thank you be when together. i've got some real estate So we bought a pack of cigarettes And this is pies And walked off To look for America Kathy, I said As we bought it a greyhound In ship in you see like a dream to me now It took me four days
2: to hitchhike from Saginaw I've come to look for